Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, New Spring Church. How are you doing? Hey, uh, I, I, I just before I get started today, uh, I just want to thank you all so much for all the kind messages that you've sent to my family. Uh, you know, as we go through this time with my grandma passing, thank you so much. Uh, I've I've gotten to read some of them lately, and and you you guys are the best church in the world. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, well, thank you. Uh, I, I, uh, I just need, I would appreciate your prayers today as I preach this message because, uh, you know, it's, it's been a crazy week, um, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today because we are just in a wonderful series, and uh, I'm really pumped about that. Um, you know, I, uh, I read a really funny story the other day from a first grade teacher, and, uh, you know, I'm going to do an experiment really quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a statement that, I'm, that I believe every single Republican in this room and every single Democrat in this room can agree on. You guys ready for this? This doesn't happen very often, so cherish the moment, okay? <laughs> Teachers do not get paid enough money. Hey, we can agree on something. It's amazing. This, this doesn't happen very often. Thank you, Jesus. We can agree on something. Um, I got to get back to the story. Um, so I read a really funny story the other day from a first grade teacher, and uh, she was talking about this kid that she had in her class, this boy on the first day of school. And the, the boy was used to going home at lunch because in kindergarten, it was only about half a day, right? You know, so the kid, the kid is used to going home at lunch. And so he starts getting his backpack together at lunchtime and he starts getting his stuff together. And, uh, you know, the teacher asks him, Ryan, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going home. And so she has to explain to him, well, back in kindergarten, you got to go home at lunch, but in first grade, you know, you're going to go to lunch with the rest of the kids, and then we're going to come back this afternoon, and we're going to do some more work. And the kid looked at her in just total disbelief. I mean, his eyes got really wide, and he thought she was joking, but when he figured out that she wasn't joking, he put his hands on his hips, six years old, he put his hands on his hips, and he said, who on earth signed me up for this program? You know, uh, you and I are trying. You and I are trying to live the Christian life in one of the wildest times in the history of the world, um, and I think all of us kind of feel like that kid right now. You know, I, I think this week all of us are saying, "Who on earth signed me up for this program?" Um, but in case you feel overwhelmed today, which I think is all of us, I want to remind you, I want to remind you that God didn't put you here in 2020 to see how much you can take. He put you here in 2020 because he knows how much you can accomplish for him. That's why he put you here. And, and you know what? Thank you. God doesn't do anything by accident. 
He doesn't do anything by accident. I mean, I, I love that so much. You and I are living in this time. We are living in 2020 because God decided that we were the right people for the job. And yes, sometimes I wonder who signed me up for this program. Uh, but actually, I know the answer to that question. It's God. God signed me up for 2020. God signed you up for 2020. And that's good because if God signed you up, then he can light you up with the Holy Spirit. And he can give you the strength to face any day, to face anything. No matter who's president, no matter who's in the Senate, no matter who's in the House, no matter whether we're locked down, not locked down, corona, no corona, God will always give you the strength to fight another day. He will always give you the strength to fight another day. Because you were made for a purpose. You were made for a reason. And that keeps me going. And I hope it keeps you going too. And maybe you're sitting there and saying, okay, so if God has a purpose for my life, well, what does that look like practically? Like, what does that look like in a concrete uh, sort of way? And that's what my whole message is about today. Because I'm giving a message called I Serve. Uh, you know, we've been in this amazing series, I Follow. And today's message is called I Serve. And you know what gets me excited about serving God? Serving God, when you serve God, your belief turns into action. Your belief turns into action. You know, here at New Spring, we sing, we gather, you know, we fellowship together like we are right now, and that prepares us to serve. But when you serve, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm gonna do what I have been prepared to do, and I love that. You know, picture it this way. You know how before a football or a basketball or a hockey game, the coach gets this to, to all my athletes out there. You know how the coach gets a whiteboard or a chalkboard and they start drawing the X's and the O's and they draw the squiggly lines and they tell you where you ought to go and where you ought to be and what you ought to do? To all my athletes out there, isn't it true that the diagram on the whiteboard means nothing if it doesn't show up on the field, right? It means nothing if it doesn't show up on the field. You can plan all day, you can talk all day, but the game plan's gotta show up on the field. You know what I love about New Spring? New Spring is a church where we don't just make plans to serve God. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. But this is a church where the plan shows up on the field. It takes 500 volunteers for us to pull off a weekend here at New Spring. 500 people. To every single one of our volunteers in every single environment, I want to say God bless you. God bless you. You guys are amazing. I mean, every, every single one of our volunteers, and not just volunteers here, but those of you who volunteer in your community, and if you're watching, for those of you who volunteer in your church and in your mission, I, I, I want to I let you know you guys are so special because your faith is an active kind of faith. Your faith is a doing kind of faith. Your faith is a serving kind of faith. It's, it's not just theoretical. It shows up on the field. And, and I just want to thank you so much. I want to thank you so much. Here's the thing, I know that when I get up here and talk about serving, I know I'm, I'm talking to a church that already knows what it means to serve, and that's a good feeling. So I, I already know, I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I, I'm so excited to talk to you about serving. One, one thing that we need to get out of the way right off the bat is that our celebrity culture does not understand serving. It just doesn't. I mean, we live in a culture that's been influenced heavily by social media and entertainment, and it's sort of created this selfie universe that we experience all the time. 
I feel like, and what's interesting is, I feel like my generation, young people in particular, if you look at the statistics, if you look at the statistics, my generation is very interested in social causes. We're very interested in trying to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Uh, we, talk a lot about, we talk a lot about empowering people, and that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing, but isn't it true that there's sort of a certain shallowness to it? where we, we talk about this cause, or we talk about that cause, or we talk about this hashtag, we talk about that hashtag, but at the end of the day, it's 90% talk and 10% action. We live in a self, we live in a culture that pretends to be about causes and justice, but we really live in a culture that is about self. That is what our culture is about. And <laughs> I remember reading about this guy who was really famous. He was a celebrity. Uh, but one day he had to go to the grocery store. He actually had to get groceries himself. And uh, he, got, he got to the checkout line, and there was just this massive line. I mean, there was tons of people, and there was no self-checkout back then. So, you know, 10 minutes went by, 20 minutes went by, and this guy, he started to get really frustrated. He started to get really angry. And so he started yelling at the cashier. This celebrity he started yelling at the cashier saying, do you know who I am? And she had no idea who he was. I mean, she didn't recognize him. She had no clue he was a celebrity. But, but he yelled at her. He said, do you know who I am? She just ignored him. And so he yelled at her a second time. He said, do you know who I am? And again, she has no clue, so she just ignores him. And so at this point, he's, he's boiling point mad. I mean, he just gets out of that line, and he walks all the way up to the front of the line, and he gets right in her face. And he screams, do you know who I am? And to her credit, she doesn't even respond. She just picks up the phone and calls emergency services. And she tells emergency services, she said, hey, I think I've got a guy here who's in a bad mental state. And on the other end of the line, they say, why, why do you think he's in a bad mental state? And she said, because this guy doesn't know who he is. It, <laughs> If our culture had a motto, it would be, do you know who I am? That's our culture right there. Do you know who I am? Our culture pretends to be about causes and justice, but that's a lie. Our culture is about self, self-help, self-gratification, self-indulgence, self-obsession. That's our culture right now. But the fact is, that doesn't take us to where we need to be, right? Because if you're a Christian, your life mission is not to ask, do you know who I am? Your life mission is to ask, do you know who God is? And this is why serving is so important, right? Because when you serve, what you're telling the whole world is not about me. It's not about me, it's about God. That's what my life is about. Is that really rare today? Yes, it is really rare. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, but precious things are considered precious because they're rare, right? That's Economics 101 right there. Precious things are considered precious because they're rare. And maybe you'd say, Stephen, I have a hard time serving God. I have a hard time living the Christian life because everyone around me is just so different from me. Well, here's the thing. That's awesome. That's great because the fact that you're so rare should let you know just how extremely valuable you are. 
you know, to all my middle school students, to high school students, college students, let me, let me challenge you with something. If you look around at everyone around you and say, man, I just, I feel like I got to blend in. I feel like I got to be like them. I, you know, I got to do what they're doing, even if I disagree with it. That's like a diamond looking around at all the clay around it and saying, you know what? I feel so alone. Maybe I should just turn into clay. No, you're precious. You're valuable. And if you feel rare today, that's good. That's good. You know, the fact is, if you choose to dedicate time and energy to serving God, you will be different. But different is good. And there's no better use of the time. There's no better use of the time God has given you than to serve. The worst sin of our generation is wasted time. I mean, with my grandma passing this week, I'm once again reminded that I don't know how much time I have. I might have 96 years like she had. I might have 96 minutes, but I want to use whatever I've got left to serve God. I want to use whatever I've got left. You know, my, my granny, she was 96 years old and still walking around these hallways, hugging everybody. She would tell you how much she loved you. She might not even know who you are. She might not have known your name, but it didn't matter. She was going to hug you and tell you how much she loved you. She served God right up till the end. I want to I do that. I want to do that. So um, at some point, I have to get into uh, the message for today because I have a habit of long introductions, uh, like the one I just gave. Um, but uh, right now, I'm going to start getting into sort of the meat and potatoes of what the message is about. And so here's the thing. If you want to know what it means to serve, there's a story in the Bible that you should hear from the book of Mark chapter 2. And it starts out like this. It says, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And this is, what, this is what's so cool. Basically, if you want to know what's happening here, Jesus is having a church service. And he's having a church service in a house. And so as you can imagine, the house filled up fast. And so the house is packed, and then every, everything around the house is packed. There's probably hundreds, perhaps thousands of people that have come to hear Jesus. He's holding a church service. And according to the book of Luke, not only is he preaching, but he's healing. The book of Luke says that the healing power was strongly with Jesus. And so a lot of good things are happening, but what you should know is that there's a man who wants to be at this church service, but he can't be there because he's paralyzed and has been ever since the day he was born. This man wants to be at the church service, but, and he's heard, that Jesus, he's heard that Jesus can do miracles. He's heard that Jesus can make blind people see and deaf people hear and paralyzed people walk. In fact, he's heard that Jesus can even raise the dead. So if anybody can help him, it's Jesus, but he can't get there. He can't get to the church service, not by himself. And now I want to introduce you to some guys whose names we don't even know. We don't even know their names. All we know is they volunteered to help with the situation. We don't know if they personally knew the man who was paralyzed. Uh, but what we do know is they realized that somebody needed their help and they jumped into action. The, and what, what's cool is these guys are going to teach us what it means to serve. They're going to teach us what it means to serve. So uh, check this out. It says, some men came bringing to Jesus uh, a paralyzed man carried by four of them, since they could not get him to Jesus uh, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. 
this, this happened <laughs> above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And something really interesting happens right here because the Pharisees get mad at Jesus. They say, you don't have the authority on earth to forgive sin. And Jesus said, oh yeah, just wait. That's the message version. But he said, just watch this, just watch this. And I love this, this is so good. So Jesus said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. Here's the thing, and this is what I think is so amazing, church. A man who thought he would never be able to see Jesus experienced a miracle because four people, four guys, decided to simply volunteer. To simply volunteer. We don't know their names. And yet I consider these guys to be legends because they understood what it meant to serve God and they understood what it meant to serve people. In fact, I think these four guys give us four steps to serve. Here's the first step of serving. Number one, know that you're needed. Know that you are needed. The very first thing I respect about these four guys is they understood the situation required their help. They understood that there was a need. And they knew if they didn't volunteer, the paralyzed man might never see Jesus. Might never see him. If you want to know the number one reason why many Christians today sit on the sidelines instead of doing great things, it's simply because they don't know just how needed they are. They, they don't know just how needed they are. One of the greatest feelings in the world is the feeling that you're needed, right? That's one of the greatest feelings in the world. And God wants you to know that in your church, in your community, you are needed. Your time is needed. Your story is needed. Your gifts are needed. Your help is needed. You are needed. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And in case God has been tugging on your heart to do something for him, or maybe he's been tugging on your heart to reach out to someone who doesn't know him yet, you know what Satan's going to do? Satan's going to come along and say, well, somebody else can do that. Somebody else can do that. I mean, you know, you could serve, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there, there's a lot. There, somebody else could do that. But here's my question. What if there isn't somebody else? What if there isn't somebody else? What if there are certain incredible things that will only happen if you serve? Let me give you an example. Um, I have spent my whole life watching the Dallas Cowboys. It's been interesting. Um, I thank you for your sympathy. But um, there are certain Dallas Cowboys players that I just love with all my heart. And my favorite Dallas Cowboy is a man by the name of Dak Prescott. He's our quarterback, and he's just an awesome dude, fantastic athlete, one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. And the other day, you might have seen this, but, you know, there was a football game a few weeks back, and Dak was doing what only he can do. He was scrambling over towards the sideline to get a first down, but you know what happened? He put his right leg down just a little bit weird, and I saw it, and I said, oh, no. And then I saw the replay, and his leg was like this, and his foot and ankle were like this. Oh, and, and when I watched it, I just was in shock. I was just thinking, it, it was like that University of Kentucky player a few years back. You remember that? It was like, I, I was just freaking out because first of all, I wanted to make sure he was okay because he looked like he was in a lot of pain. I mean, he was holding his leg and he, he looked like he was in pain and I was freaking out. But I told Elle, I told my wife, I said, I need a moment. 
okay? I need a moment. And she said, you need a moment. And I said, yes, I do need a moment because my team isn't complete without that. My team is not complete without him. (laughs) If God has been tugging on your heart to get involved in church or uh, to serve your community or to reach out to people who don't know him yet, you know, God is trying to tell you, my team's not complete without you. My team's not complete without you. It'll never be complete without you. There's a spot particularly for you. There's a job particularly for you. Don't you realize the paralyzed man may have never seen Jesus if it wasn't for four guys who simply understood that they were needed? I'm sure that when those guys saw the paralyzed man on the side of the road, I'm sure Satan came along and said, somebody else can do that. You don't have to do it. Somebody else can do that. But I think God came along and reminded these heroes that there isn't always somebody else. There isn't always somebody else. Ephesians Ephesians 2.10 says that long before you were born, God was planning what he wanted to do through you right this second, right now. And when God gave you a mission, he gave it to you. He didn't give it to somebody else. He gave it to you. It's your birthright. It's what you were born to do. It's your destiny. Don't abandon that. Don't abandon that. Jesus said something incredible in Matthew 9.37. He said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now, I want to give you an inside scoop on something. A lot of pastors love this verse because they like to skip to the end where it says the workers are few. And so if you're trying to twist people's arms to volunteer a little bit, this is great because you can say the workers are few. We need some more workers. Come on, people, volunteer. Come on. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I want to focus on the first part of the statement where it says the harvest is great. We skip this for some reason. I don't know why we skip it. It's beautiful. The harvest is great. You know what Jesus is saying when he says the harvest is great? He's saying there are so many potential believers out there. There are so many people desperate for God. There's so many people that want to know their sins can be forgiven. There's so many people who want to know that there's more than just this life. There's so many, there's so many kids and middle school students and high school students and college students who have an open heart toward God. They just need somebody to serve. They need someone to stand up and say, yes, I'm needed. I'm needed. I'm going to serve. The harvest is great, church. The harvest is great. It's really, 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 really great. And and I'm about to blow your mind right now because do you realize that in 2020, the harvest has not gotten smaller? The harvest has gotten bigger, much, much bigger because when our world goes through something like it's going through right now, suddenly there's a lot of interest in God. When we're riding high as a country and we're just sailing along and everything is peaches and cream, it's really easy for everybody to sort of put God on standby and say, we'll call for you when we need you. But right now, there's millions of people that are suddenly saying, I need to know God because I realize now I've needed him this whole time and I didn't know it. I'm not saying that God wanted these challenges that we're facing to happen, but what I am saying is that the harvest has not gotten smaller. It has gotten much, much, much bigger. And here's the thing. Jesus said the harvest is great, but the workers are few. What if in our church, and for those of you watching online and around the world, what if in your church, what if the workers were as great as the harvest? 
What if? It's just a hypothetical. But I think it's a good question to ask. All I'm saying is, if you want to get involved but you haven't yet, I want you to know that you are most definitely needed. We need you. God needs you. You are needed. Here's the second point, and I'm going to move fast. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. You know, there's a part of this story that I've been fascinated with ever since I was a kid. Um, when I was a kid growing up, we had flannel graph. And uh, I don't know if you've seen flannel graph. I don't know if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, but you know, you've got this uh, board that's got some scene from ancient Israel, and then they've got these stickers that they slap on, and the Sunday school teacher walks you through the story. And for some reason, every time the Sunday school teacher has someone walk, they always do it like this, you know? Jesus was walking to Jericho. I'm like, Jesus didn't walk like this. Um, sorry, you had to be there. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, even when I was a kid, I, I was fascinated by flannel graph. I grew up Baptist, so my, my Sundays were full of flannel graph and fried chicken, usually in that order, uh, sometimes at the same time. I'm not going to go into that. Um, but when I was a kid, we had flannel graph, and when they did the story of the men who lowered their friend to see uh, Jesus, I was fascinated with, I always asked, even as a kid, I said, how did they get up on the roof, and how did they take off part of the roof? How does that work? And this week, I, I thought about something I've never thought about before. Do you realize, do you realize that, um, that when these guys got up on the roof and lowered their friend to see Jesus, do you realize that this was an extremely difficult and dangerous task? And these guys had to be pros because, you know, the Bible says they actually took off a big part of the roof and they lowered their friend down through the roof. This was an extremely difficult, dangerous task. These guys had to be professionals. These guys had to understand buildings. I mean, and let me tell you why. Back in the ancient world, houses were not built the way that they're built now, you know. Uh, back in the ancient world, the floor was made out of stone, so the floor was pretty sturdy. The walls were made out of mud bricks, so they were decently sturdy. But the roof, the roof was the most unstable and dangerous part of the house. So when these guys started taking off the roof, they had to know what they were doing. They had to be pros. They had to have a special set of gifts, a special set of skills for this story to go down the way it did. And I don't know how to preach this, but I'm going to try. God created you with a very special set of gifts. A very special set of gifts. You're all different, but God can use your gifts to change the world. And maybe you'd say, Stephen, my gift package is not very flashy, or my gift package is not very spiritual, or it's not very ministry-oriented. Do you realize that a paralyzed man was healed because four blue-collar guys understood construction? Every gift matters. And no gift matters more than another gift. The people who open the door for you and welcome you to church today are just as important as the people who just sang with you a moment ago. And they are just as important as the people in kids' world teaching your kids about Jesus right now. And they are just as important as what I'm doing right now as we speak. Everybody's gift matters. I mean, do you realize that if it wasn't for a lot of different people using a lot of different gifts, we would be in the dark in this room right now. You wouldn't be able to hear me because there wouldn't be any audio, there wouldn't be any video, and worst of all, we would have no coffee. <laughs> the worst thing in the world would be if all of us sat on the gifts that we have been given or used them for someone other than God. 
You know, there's a lot of celebrities out there who are extremely talented, extremely gifted people, but they feel empty because their gifts are being used for something other than God, and they wonder why something is missing. And we wonder why they feel that way. Your gifts were meant to be used. You know, a couple of years ago, I preached a sermon about Esther, and I said something in that message that I got a lot of feedback on, and I'm going to say it again right now. And I don't mean this in a confrontational way. I mean this as a challenge. If you've been given special gifts, God didn't give those gifts to you for you. He gave those gifts to you for him. If God has given you the gift, if God has given you the gift of leadership, God didn't give that to you for you. He gave that to you for him. If God has given you the gift to influence people, he didn't give that to you for you. He gave that to you for him. If God has given you the gift to encourage people, he didn't give it to you for you. He gave it to you for him because everything he does, he does for his glory. And that includes you. You were made to serve God. I was made to serve God. Maybe you'd say, Stephen, my gift is working with kids. Praise God. Use it. Maybe you'd say, Stephen, my gift is working with middle school and high school students. Praise the Lord. Use it. Maybe you'd say, my gift is smiling at people and welcoming them to church. That's one of the, the, what's one of the greatest gifts of all. Praise God. Use it. But use it. Because you're gifted. You're so gifted. You don't even realize how gifted you are. You know, the Bible says that someday in heaven... God will give us crowns, but we're going to be so taken aback by the wonder and the majesty of God that we're going to lay those crowns at God's feet. You know, that's what the Bible says. The gifts that you've been given are like those crowns. They're precious, they're beautiful, they're wonderful. And maybe as a church, as a community, if we want to change the world, the best thing we can do is to turn around and lay those gifts at God's feet and say, this is for you. Use your gifts, because you're gifted. Here's the third point. Don't turn back. Don't turn back. Every time you try to serve God, Satan will try to get you to turn back. Every time you decide, hey, I'm going to get involved in my church, I'm going to serve my community, I'm going to lead people to Christ, Satan will come along and give you 20 reasons and 20 excuses to back out. Think about this. When the four guys were carrying the paralyzed man, what happened? They got close to the house and there was a huge crowd. They thought they would never get in. They thought they would never get in. And they could have given up. They could have given up. And I'm sure Satan told these guys, turn back. You're not going to make it. You're too late. Go home. Sorry. It's over. It's over. But these guys were not discouraged, right? They said, well, if we can't get through the crowd, then we're going to get on the roof. And if the roof doesn't work, we're going to take the roof off. And if we can't lower him with our hands, then we'll lower him with rope. Do you sense the determination and the persistence of these guys? It's wonderful. It's powerful. These guys were made of stronger stuff. You know, uh, I mean, I feel like if, if, if these guys were like a lot of Christians in 2020, the second they saw the crowd, they would have turned around. But these guys were made of something stronger. What I've noticed is that when you decide that you're really going to get involved in serving God, it's going to be so easy to find an excuse to back out or not give it 100%. You know, right before Jesus started his three-year ministry, the Bible says he went to the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. And you know what happened at the end of that story. Satan came along and tried to, tried to get Jesus to abandon his mission. Satan came along and said, aren't you tired? Aren't you hungry? You, you don't want to go to the cross. 
You don't want to do this. You don't have to do this. Just bow down and worship me. And you know, you know what Jesus said? He told Satan, you can take your bag of tricks somewhere else because I'm not abandoning the mission. This is not over. This is not over. But let me ask you a question. If Satan tried that hard to get the son of God to abandon his mission, how much more is he going to try to get you to abandon yours? He's going to try so hard. If you want to know how Satan does this, it's easy. It's easy. The way it works is he'll just try to convince you that you have too much going on, that serving God is more of an obligation than a privilege, and that your time is better spent somewhere else. Easy. That's a two-inch butt. But sometimes Satan might go further. Sometimes he might even try to use a personal tragedy or a difficulty you've been through to try to get you to turn back. You know, um, this week with my grandma going to be with the Lord, I was reminded of the fact that, you know, almost 70 years ago, um, you know, my grandparents, they were a young couple. They were serving God in their church and winning a lot of people to Christ. They were doing a lot of good things, even as a very young couple. Um, but many years ago, uh, they, they lost their four-year-old son, Roger, to a brain tumor. And uh, there, I don't think there is any pain on this earth like the pain of a parent who loses a child. Probably the worst pain of all. And in that moment, I've talked to both my grandparents when they were alive. I know for a fact that in that moment, Satan came along and said, turn back. You're done. You'll never get any further now. The mission is over. But you know what my grandpa and grandma did? They said, no, the mission's not over. It's not over. And you know what my grandpa did? He had an idea. You know, right now we're dealing with coronavirus, but back in the 50s, it was polio. Uh, It was polio. Polio was the epidemic that was raging around the world. And in the hospitals, there were entire wards where families with children with polio were there. And they told my grandpa, you can't go in these rooms. You could get infected. You could get really sick. But my grandpa said, I I, want to go talk to those parents. I want to go talk to those kids. Because since I've lost my child, I feel as if I've been given a special gift to minister to parents who might lose theirs. And so my grandpa and my grandma won countless people to Christ. Even in the hospitals, they won countless people to Christ because they told the devil, you can't make us turn back. It's not your decision whether we turn back or not. It's our decision and you can't make us turn back. God gave us a mission and we're going to accomplish it. I want a dose of that kind of determination. I want a dose of that kind of persistence because that's how you serve. Don't turn back. Don't turn back. The guys who carried their paralyzed friend to see Jesus, I admire the fact that under no circumstances were they going to turn back or give up. And that's why the Bible says in Galatians, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. Why? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Isn't that an encouraging thought? We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's the last point, and I promise I'll move fast. Prepare for miracles. Prepare for miracles. In Luke's version of this story, at the very end, it says something wonderful. This is what Luke says. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. We've seen so many remarkable things right here. Simply because a whole lot of people realized they were needed. You know, a, 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 whole, a whole lot of people understood that it, it's, it's not good to turn back just, just because of that. We've seen so many remarkable things at this church. 
And I know this is a simple point to land on today. I know this is a simple point. But if you realize that you're needed, if you use your gifts for God and you don't turn back, you will see remarkable things. You're just going to see so many remarkable things. And no matter what's going on in the world, no matter who's president, no matter this or that, no matter what, you're going to see remarkable things. We live in a world that is obsessed with negativity, isn't it? The whole news feed, the whole social media, the whole, all the junk, it's obsessed with negativity. But, I mean, here, I mean but, but here's the thing. It's quite possible that today you're saying, Stephen, it's hard for me to even think about serving because the world is so crazy and all I can think about is the craziness, man. Hey, I'm right there with you. I, I was here this week. It was crazy. It's still crazy. <laughs> uh, but can I just encourage you for a second and say, did you know that even now, even with all that's going on, God is doing remarkable things and you can be a part of it? I started writing this message on Tuesday night. As you can imagine, I was a little distracted. I couldn't tell if Trump won, Biden won, Kanye won. I had no idea. So that was kind of difficult. But the next day on Wednesday, I thought, you know what, at least now I can kind of start to focus on this message. Uh, But you know, that night I found out, um, you know, that my grandma passed and, and because of just the way things are, I wasn't even able to see it. And so, you know, it's hard to write a message under those circumstances. And then Thursday came, and I still couldn't write hardly anything. And then Friday came, and this is, yes, this is two days ago. And I'm sitting there looking at a Word document saying, oh, God, I need some help. And, you know, I was just telling God in my spirit, I said, God, I need to write this message, but this week has been hard, and I don't know how to focus because everything seems so chaotic. I just lost my grandma, and this, this, this whole country seems to be in chaos. But, you know, the Holy Spirit works in interesting ways, doesn't it? And uh, a random story popped into my head that I heard a preacher preach a while ago. You know, preachers pass stories between them that are interesting, but, but this one I believe is true. Um, you know, hundreds of years ago, there were Spanish sailors that were sailing near the coast of Brazil. And um, a storm blew them far off course, and so they didn't know where they were. And for days, they languished in the South American sun. And after a week, they ran out of water. And they said, we're going to die. We're out of water. We're out at sea. We're going to die. There's nobody out here. But then a ship came around. And so they signaled to the ship, we're out of water, we're going to die. And the, the, the people on the other ship re- replied and said something that was unbelievable. They said, let down your buckets, let down your buckets. And this sounded absurd because you can't drink seawater. You could die if you drink enough seawater. But the guys on this ship, they were desperate. They were about to die. So they said, you know what, let's just let down the buckets. And when they pulled up the water, it was fresh. What they didn't realize is that they were sailing close to the mouth of the Amazon River, which is one of the most powerful rivers in the world. And it's so powerful, it pushes fresh water hundreds of miles out to sea. And so you can think that you're in the sea, but actually you're sailing on fresh water. And these sailors, their lives were saved. What they thought, this is what I'm getting at, what they thought they were lacking was all around them if they would only have the faith to access it. And yesterday, I just felt God telling me, son, I know it's been a hard week. I know the world has gone crazy, but you can still win today's battles. All you need to do is let down your bucket and serve me today, and I will give you what you need that you think you lack. And he's telling the same thing to you. 
God is doing remarkable things. You can be a part of that. You can experience that. You can be refreshed by that. That is why serving God is so important. Even in 2020, actually, especially in 2020, if you realize that you're needed, if you use your gifts for God and you don't turn back, you will see miracles, prepare for miracles because they are on their way. Let's pray. God, I pray for this wonderful church. I know this has been a crazy week, God, but I pray peace over this wonderful church. I pray peace over everyone who is watching this right now. God, we know that, we know that, that you have given us a sound mind, no matter what is going on in the world, and I pray that you would give us the strength to serve, to get involved, to, to follow your calling on our lives. Thank you, God, for that. With every head still bowed and with every eye still closed, if you've, if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and you want to do that right now, don't wait. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next week. Don't wait for next year. Let's do it right now. Because maybe you're saying, before I serve God, I need to know him. Before I serve God, I need to know him. If that's you, let's pray together right now. And these are not magic words. These are just calling out to God. You can say it out loud or in your heart. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong things, but I believe you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And I believe he arose from the grave. Please come into my heart and change me from the inside out. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, all you need to do is text PRAYED to 97000, and we've got some gifts we'd love to give you. And also, if you want to volunteer, if you want to get involved, all you need to do is text TALK to us, all one word, to 97000, and they'll send you a URL link to where you can volunteer. Thank you guys so much. Have a fantastic week, rest of your weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.